Dave's Psych Lectures, part of the Thunderbird 6 Podcasting Network. Okay, the last part of this session is geometric versus petrol processing. Are they lateralized in humans? By Stephanie Tannenen and <coughs> David Brockbeck, who is giving the talk. Spoiler alert, no. <laughs> Uh, this, most of this work, uh, and I'm not going to stand by the microphone, I'm loud. Most of this stuff uh, that I'm going to talk about, it was Stephanie Tannen did with me as an undergraduate. She's now doing uh, a PhD where the cool kids go to school, University of Toronto. Um, Chang, he's right there. Uh, I got the ball rolling, it seems to me, or the Cocoa Puff, as matters may be, uh, on this stuff in 1986. And I think most of you guys know about this. He found that rats use geometric information rather... Uh, uh, rather than using the, feature, uh, the features that he applied to a box, uh, you know, and here it is. Take a look at this. Dated up here, 71% of the choices. 21% of the time, they're making these rotational errors. Um, Ken eventually applied, after, you know, using a completely uh, featureless box, uh, applied, uh, I guess, brightness, different brightnesses, even, I think, smell. Did you, Ken? Wasn't one peppermint oil or something like that? Yeah. Uh, and they still, doesn't matter what the choice, uh, the situation was, they made these rotational errors, right? So they weren't making the reflection errors. They were paying attention to the geometry of the box. Herman Spelke did the same kind of thing. They tried the, the Ching task with uh, toddlers and adults. Um, this was in a white room, and I, I wish it was with black curtains by the station. But check <laughs> the age of people by if they got that joke or not. Uh, so in this white rectangular room, uh, sometimes there was a, a blue wall. One wall was blue. Sometimes it wasn't. And people would, uh, adults or little kids, like three-and-a-half-year-olds, were told where the goal was. The little kids were shown a teddy bear. Uh, and then they disoriented the people. They disoriented the adults by having them close their eyes and spinning them right round, right round like a record. Uh, whereas little kids, three-and-a-half-year-olds, it's easy to disorient a three-and-a-half-year-old to look at them and say, hey, how's it going? And then they, they got no idea. So all they really had to do was talk to them. And in this case, as you can see here, when it's all white, same kind of idea here, most of the choices are either correct or to the rotation. Uh, when you have a blue wall, kids are like rats. Uh, the adults, on the other hand, sort of use the blue wall. I mean, it's, it's pretty easy, and I think we'd all do that as well. Um, so the adults use the cue. A student of mine, a long time ago, back when I was living in Newfoundland, uh, we had the same kind of idea. We, we put a, a piece of black Bristol board, and we told people, point right there, and then we spun it around uh, while they counted backwards from 10,000 by 17s to distract, to distract. There was one guy that was perfect at it. He's now got an MBA PhD, and he's probably smarter than everyone in the room. Uh, he spun around, and then they would just point. They would make rotational errors, and we had no cue. We put a white stripe on the side. They make, they, they start following a white stripe. Now, one thing that I talked about a long time ago is this is something that me and Corey Spracklin and uh, Andrea Pike did, is we had a rectangle on a computer screen, black rectangle. And there was a red dot in the corner, and it spun around, and after eight seconds of spinning, as the dot faded, people were asked where was the dot, and they had to click with the mouse where the dot was. Subjects relied on geometry pretty much completely until it became useless. Geometry becomes useless when you give them a square. 
right? And if you take a look at this, the original dot location, this is, these are percentages. This is uh, 10 people run 400 times a piece. And original dot location and rotational errors are what we get. Um, this is even with a Q, right? So one of the, one of the sides of the uh, rectangle was blue. With a cubed square, of course, now they're going to follow the Q because there's no way to use geometry. Now, I'm going to butcher the hell out of this name, and I apologize. Velo T. Gara? Right? Yeah. Uh, and now in 2004, trained chicks on this task. Now, they covered one eye or another, and we've heard a lot about this uh, last couple days, because birds basically are split brain patients, right? Birds have no corpus callosum, so if you go left eye, you're getting right hemisphere, right eye, you're getting left hemisphere. This was basically, they found that it was lateralized. If you take a look here, um, when the left eye is covered, it's using the right hemisphere, what you're getting is you're getting, uh, that's where they're following the geometry. So what Steph and I wondered is, would we get similar, we do get similar results, at least with, with a spinning rectangle thing, with humans and other, uh, adult humans and other species, and we also know that human spatial tasks are said to be lateralized. You hear a lot about left language, right spatial, that kind of thing. So can we spin a rectangle and see if it's lateralized? So we had a white rectangle where we, we, we went crazy. Not black this time, we used a white one. Uh, and we had a 27-inch iMac, and basically had people sit on one side, or another, close one eye, and it was off either way off to the left or the other way, way off to the right. Can you see what eye I'm closing there? I don't know. So you close, you want to do right visual field, have them close their left eye, they sit way over here, they look forward, there's a Q, a little X, and then it spins over here, trying to get only one uh, visual field. Okay? And we presented we also presented it to both eyes. So we did it with one eye, uh, left eye, right eye, or both eyes. Red dot in the corner, where's the dot? <coughs> okay? Um, then later we added a, a yellow strip to the side. There's our feature. We expected to, well, we hoped, basically, that we'd get an interaction of viewing condition, um, left monocular and right, and feature presence or absence. So basically then that, hoping that if we went to the left visual field, we would get more reliance on John. This was our hope, and we didn't. Um, indeed, if you take a look at this, the results didn't differ at all. These are, by the way, percentages. This is done with uh, 17 people uh, each running 400 times uh, a piece. Okay? So, and these are all uh, undergraduate university students. And you can see that. And the, the asterisks mean uh, different percentage by, uh, by chance. And basically, by the way, every, uh, different from chance, everybody's the, uh, the same. This is a, the same pattern in everyone. It's not like this adds up to something. We didn't even get the error pattern we got before. And um, so we've got that going for us. Um, <laughs> pattern errors didn't change. So the most important thing, at least so far, is the pattern of errors didn't change depending upon the visual field. Um, so we, could, we conclude now, at least, that it's not lateralized, this task in humans. This makes some sense, he said, backtracking, um, because we have a corpus callosum. So the idea then is this communication between hemispheres, okay. Yeah, but we didn't find the pattern of errors we expected either. This might be a matter of the speed of the spinning. Um, when we did this, I said, let's just do this until we get errors. So we were just... Um, 
That's the word I'm looking for. You're doing different iterations until we get titrating was the word I'm looking for. I knew it had an itra in it. Um, and until, so we did it until we got errors. We used 90 RPMs. In the experiment that I did with uh, Corey Spracklin that I talked about here 10 years ago, it's 480. A lot faster. Now, the nice thing is, the other thing we did is we spun it almost as fast as we could without getting any distortion on the screen. Right? In the old one we did in 2003, oh, it was the story. Because it was 10 years ago and video cards weren't as good, right? So, basically, we had a nice smooth spinning rectangle, still pretty fast, but uh, in the other one, it was really pretty distorted. So, we did find some suggestive sex differences, by the way, but uh, that men followed the geometry more than women. We only had five men and 17 women, such as life, uh, in, in, uh, at our school where most of these psychology students are women. Um, we were going to try making this harder. We want to replicate the errors, so we're going to try spinning it harder, spinning it faster. The other thing I'm interested in is when does a square become a rectangle? At some point, people will only follow the cube. Okay, that should go, but you know, if it's a, say, 1 to 1.1 uh, ratio, do we still view that as a square, or is that a rectangle? And is that lateralized? This is me grasping at straws looking for lateralization. I'd like to thank my family for putting up with me being away. Um, I'd like to thank the people that feed my family. <laughs> um, I'd like to thank the 24-time Stanley Cup champion, Montreal Canadiens, just because I do that. And while you may think it's cold here, that's my backyard. <laughs> Thanks. We have time for questions. Yeah, I mean, this is something we've, we've, we've thought about that it's hard to say because like with us, we're using a rectangle that's, I should have said the size of it, it's like five centimeters by two centimeters. So it's using something very small. So it may be the case, now, and also in the other experiment, because it's spun faster, and like I said, frankly, it was distorted. I don't know if I showed you program to you back like 10 years ago. Um, it was pretty distorted. We got something pretty smooth here. So, I mean, I think this, I mean, I've even found in stuff that, other stuff that I've done that the size of an environment really does make a big difference, even going back to the stuff I did with the chickadees back in another lifetime. So.
podcast is released under a Creative Commons copyright share like 2.5 Canada. Uh, feel free to redistribute the information as you see fit, but please don't make any money out of it. And if you do, you got to tell me because I'm reserving that right. Giving up all the other ones, including uh, mash it up any way you want. Okay. Um, also, of course, give me attribution. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is dave.broadbeck, B-R-O-D-B-E-C-K, at algomau.ca. My website is people.auc.ca slash broadbeck slash blog. Uh, most of the music, uh, all the music's Podsafe, and most of it comes from GarageBand.com or the Podsafe Music Network. See you next time.